I can remember a time in my life when I heard the Lord call to me. The Lord called and said, do you love me? And I was quick to respond, oh yes, Lord, I love you. Then the Lord responded back and he said, feed my sheep. My mind quickly raced back through the scriptures as I remember after uh, Yeshua's resurrection, him talking to Peter and saying the same thing, feed my sheep. But what was the Lord calling me to do? At that time, I was woefully inadequate in my scripture knowledge. I had no ministry outreach of any kind. And I was absolutely paralyzed with fear speaking in front of a group of people of any size. What was I going to do? What was this call the Lord was calling me to, to do? I mean, this, this call really was one of those deep calls that really touched my heart deeply. I immediately fell to my knees, my hand, my head in my hands as I'm on the floor. And I prayed, I said, Lord, these obstacles are far too great for me. I don't know how I can overcome them. And though I knew that these obstacles were too great for me, I knew they were not too great for the Lord. I would, be, I would have to become modeling clay in the hands of the Lord that he may shape me into an object of his pleasing. Hashem began to put his hunger and thirst for his precious words into my heart. It started off as a very small flame, but as time went on, it was fanned into a blaze. It was during these times of prayer, study, that the Lord was teaching me to trust him in all things. And as most of us probably can attest to, that's not easy. After some time of preparation, the time came to take action, to step out, to share what the Lord had shown me. But I had a problem. I was still paralyzed with fear at the presence of the crowd. It was then Hashem spoke to me again. Do you trust me? And I said, oh, yes, Lord, I, I trust you with all my heart, all my soul, I trust you. And this is what you must do. And at that moment, the Lord gave me a quick vision. And the vision was of a father and a young child. The young child with his right hand stretched as high as he could get it to grasp the hand of his father. as they were preparing to cross a busy road. 
And the Lord said, in a like manner, this is how I want you to walk with me. Trust me. Some time went by, I'm not exactly sure how long, how many years. But I found myself on a stage in an auditorium talking to about 200 people about the love of Yeshua. And sometime, right about halfway through my presentation, the Lord whispered to me while I was on stage and actively speaking to everybody. And the Lord said, what are you doing? And I immediately knew what the Lord meant. Here I am speaking to a crowd of a crowd of 200 people. It's like, where did that fear go to? And it was everything I could do at that moment to stop myself from laughing out loud. But at the same time, I was praising the Lord in my heart and thanking Him for the mighty work He has done. It's amazing to me to see how people react to the call of God. Most of us first try to get out of that call by coming up with excuses of why we cannot go into the ministry for the Lord. It's almost like if we thought that we maybe could present a list of things that, you know, Lord, you don't want me because of this, 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 all, and this. Like somehow or another, as we present the Lord with this list, it's somehow going to surprise him. And he's going to say, oh, I wasn't aware of this. Oh, yeah, you're right. I need to pick somebody else. I mean, seriously. Do we think our list is going to impress the Lord? No. No. He knows what we're all about. He knows us inside and out. He knows our hearts. Our biggest fear is that when the Lord, when the Lord calls us, is that we know that we are the obstacle that needs to be pushed to the side. We ourselves. We need to come to an end to ourselves before we can serve the Lord. That's where the fear comes from. Because we know that what the Lord wants to do in our life is going to be great. And we're kind of, we really want the Lord to call us. We know the Lord is great. But that transition, the transition is what gets us. But I'm thankful, too, for the Scriptures. Because in scriptures, we find people very much like ourselves. The average people, they have weaknesses, they have faults. But the Lord called them and used them in mighty ways, in spite of themselves. So today, I want to look at some scriptures. And it's out of the book of Judges. It's a well-known character in there that uh, I, I want to use as our example from Judges chapter 6 uh, we read the story of Gideon and Gideon starts off like this 
In verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under an oak tree in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Asbonite, the son of Gideon, where the son of Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and he says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon replies, uh, Pardon me, Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all of this happened to us? Where have all the wonders that our ancestors spoke of? When they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of the Midianites. Oh, here we go. The Lord himself appears and talks to you and says, Hey there, mighty warrior. Uh, pardon me, Lord, uh, were you speaking to me? Um, let me offer up to you first my excuse. Lord, you abandoned us. You left us. The Midianites have taken over us. Where were you then? All of this that's going on around me is not my fault. It's your fault. You abandoned us. That's my first excuse. Whew. But I also want to make an observation here. You notice that when the Lord came to Gideon, he wasn't standing with a fiery sword in his hand. He, doesn't, he didn't come with the legion of angels, but he came sitting under an oak tree. Very interesting way, very interesting approach. So from the very start, it's not an immediate sign of urgency, but it's a sign of comfort, reassurance not urgency. Secondly, the way that Gideon is talking to the angel of the Lord. I don't think Gideon knew who he was talking to. I think we could easily make the assumption that maybe he thought he was talking maybe to a prophet, maybe an angel, but not the Lord. And we'll talk more on that in just a minute. So now in scripture number two, and the Lord turned to him and said, he says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Um, <clears throat> pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but uh, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of that family. Uh, quickly, we go to excuse number two. Uh, excuse me, Lord, did I hear you right? Uh, you're not serious, are you? I mean, my clan is the least of all the tribes, and I am the least of the least, and am the least of them all. There's no way. There's no way. 
But in a strange way, Gideon's argument sounds somewhat familiar to me. With some guy named Moses at the burning bush. Oh no, Lord, I can't go. I can't speak well. <laughs> Who am I? A lot of excuses. And in verse 16, the Lord said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Mennonites, leaving none alive. Now here's the key issue. It's not how we see ourselves. Let me repeat that. It's not how we see ourselves, but how the Lord sees us. His perspective. Let me just hit three quick examples. The Lord called Gideon a mighty warrior. This is God's perspective of Gideon. He is my mighty warrior. Go in the strength that I have sent you and save all of Israel out of the hands of the Mennonites, and I'm not sending you. To say it differently, no additional training required. Just go. And number three, I will be with you. You will strike down the Midianites, leaving none alive. In other words, you are my choice. You are going to do the work. The Lord will use you to bring victory to Israel. This brings me to my second point, dealing with doubt. The doubt of his call. So now Gideon has heard the call from the Lord. So now Gideon advises or comes up with a little test. So Gideon says to the Lord, he says, listen, Lord, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign. I need a sign. If it's you that I'm really talking to. So excuse number four, before going in service, Lord, you got to show me a sign. I got to have a sign. I got to know that it's really, really you that's speaking to me. So this is what I want you to do, Lord. I, I want you to wait right here. You know, this really amazes me. The God of all the universe, creator of everything that lives and breathes and beyond. And he says, uh, excuse me, Lord, wait right here. While I go and prepare a goat and some unleavened bread, wait on me. And Lord says, okay, I'll wait. So Gideon goes out and he prepares his goat and his unleavened bread and everything, and he comes back up to the Lord. And in the next scriptures we read, and the angel of God said to him, he says, take the meat and the unleavened bread and place it here on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand and fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel disappeared. Then Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord. He exclaimed, Alas, 
Sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. I'm going to die. It's ironic, isn't it? Gideon receives the very sign that he has asked for. God performs a phenomenal sign in before his very eyes. He Now he knows without a doubt, it is the Lord. It is the Lord, but I'm going to die. But the Lord is quickly to respond back to Gideon before fear can really grip him. The Lord replies back quickly and tells Gideon, he says, no, you will not surely die. Gideon gets his confirmation from the Lord in a big way. And the Lord quickly comforts. But we got to remember another thing. Is that testing goes two ways. We often require a test from the Lord. We test the Lord. Lord, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? He says, yes, it's me. It's me. It's me. But then there's also the time that the Lord tests us. Ah, maybe we don't like that. The Lord tests us concerning our heart desires and our obedience. The Lord tests us. Scripture 4. So that same night, The Lord speaks to him. He says, take a bull from your father's herd. The one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal, cut down the Azeroth pole that's beside it, and build me a proper altar to the Lord your God at the top of the height. Using the word, the wood of the Azeroth pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as an offering. Number one, we don't know if this was a dream or a vision. But what was the ultimate call for this? And this is very important because this is normally the first step before you're going to ministry. And as you receive the call from the Lord, this is a very vital step. The Lord has called and asked you to take an action. What's really being said here is first get your house in order. Tear down the idols that are in your house. And then build a proper altar unto the Lord at the high place, at the high place of your heart. Build your altar to the Lord. Now, we know this was going to cause trouble, right? I mean, number one, Gideon's being called to tear down your father's idols. Go get your father's bull, sacrifice your father's bull, and build me an altar on top of the height. It sounds like Gideon could be getting into some serious trouble. I mean, he didn't take it from his own herd. He took it from his father's. But Gideon's a little bit skittish. 
So he doesn't do these things in the morning. He does them at night. He goes out at night with 10 of his servants. He takes his father's bull. He goes out at night. They pull down balls, ball alls, uh, altar. They cut down the Azeroth pole. They construct a proper altar of sacrifice unto the Lord. He did it all at night. But now I want you to think about something. He offered up a sacrifice on a height at the high point of that hill, whatever that hill was. When you make a sacrifice at night, it creates a flame and a fire that could be seen for miles and miles and miles and miles. If you were going to set a signal fire, would you set a fire in a valley, in a hole, or would you want to set it up on a height? Known to Gideon or not, he was actually setting a signal fire and making a proclamation that the Lord now dwells here. Whether he realized it or not, he was making a statement. Let's look at Scripture 5. But Joash, which is the father of Gideon, replied to the hostile crowd that came up the next morning, are you going to plead Baal's case? Are you trying to save Baal? Whoever fights for Baal will be put to death by morning. But if Baal is truly God, he can defend himself when someone, break, someone breaks down his altars. Let Baal defend himself if he is truly God. Let him defend himself. Now, think about this. Gideon just took his father's bulls. He sacrificed his father's bulls. He tore down his father's idols. His father is not angry about this at all and in fact defends the acts of Gideon which becomes an act of encouragement for Gideon, which becomes another action to the crowd that's trying to go against Gideon. Put your anger somewhere else. Put it where it belongs. Now think about that. Think about how important this is to Gideon, his father's encouragement. He was encouraged. Next section, the call to action. At some point when the Lord calls, there's a time to action. There's a time you have to step out. There's a time you have to proclaim the name of the Lord. Now, when does that time come for us? Well, it comes when the Lord tells you to go. That's the short answer. Well, what time would that be? Well, that's uncertain. It depends on the call and the purpose of the call. Some call, like in Gideon's case, was pretty much immediate. He had to go into action now. The time was now to go. Where with others, it may take years. But the key is to be in tune to what the Lord is saying to you and the call that he has for you.
Now, Scripture 6. Now, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern people had joined forces. They had crossed over to Jordan and camped near in the valley of Jezreel. And now the Holy Spirit of God comes on Gideon and he blows the trumpet, the shofar, summoning the Asbirnites to follow him. Now this is really interesting. Did Gideon know that there were 133,000 that were in the valley of Jezreel coming against the nation of Israel? Gideon had not even formed an army yet. He didn't have any idea how many people would show up. I still say it was something about that signal fire that Gideon set on that hill that caused the people to cross the water, to cross the Jordan. It may have been, may not. Just speculation on my behalf. 133,000 are gathered. The Spirit of the Lord comes on Gideon. I wonder if he really knew why he was blowing the trumpet, but he blew it anyhow. This sets off another chain of events for Gideon because now messengers are going out to all the community roundabout, all the little towns, villages, and everything. It says, the call of war has come. It's time to gather your people for battle. It's time to go. Now is the time to go to assembly. Who are we going to assemble to? I heard, I heard about Gideon. There's something about Gideon. The word has gone out about Gideon. It has spread like wildfire through the, uh, through the kingdom of Israel. Everybody had heard about the act of Gideon. And now the people are encouraged because now encouragement breeds encouragement. When Gideon pulled down his father's idols, that sparked an encouragement in the land that we can fight against false idols. You can only be a leader if you lead by example. If you tear down the false idols in your life, you are encouraging others to tear their false idols down. What are you going to do, Gideon? Warriors are gathering in the valley of Jezreel. 133,000 have gathered. The shofar has been blown. People are gathering to you to be their commander-in-chief, to be their general, their mighty warrior in battle. You have never been in battle in your life. You have never been in charge in your life. Now, all of a sudden, you will be the head man, commander-in-chief of the army of Israel. What are you going to do? So what do you think? Oh, another test. Hmm. Let's uh, look at pick number two, picture two. That's one. There you go. So the other test comes with the fleece. 
the moment of story of the fleece, we don't have time to read the whole story, but the Lord, um, Gideon asked the Lord, he says, Lord, if you're really with me to be the warrior, to fight this battle, show me, a, show me another sign. Let me put the fleece out. First time, let the fleece be soaking wet, let the ground be dry. And Lord, don't be mad at me, but let me do this a second time. Let me put the fleece back out. This time, let the fleece be dry and let the ground be soaking wet. Lord, don't be mad with me. I need to know for a certainty that you are with me. And guess what? The Lord was. But then as the people have gathered, now the Lord uses the fleece as a way of what? Encouraging, building up, adding confidence to Gideon. Gideon now is starting to feel a little confident. But what's the next thing he do? Let's look at picture number three. There goes a, car, a, a cry out that says, anybody who's fearful in any kind of way, raise your hand. And there were a whole lot of people that rose their hand and said, hey, I want to go home. Let the fearful go home. Now you got to, now you got to realize that there were only about 25,000 thereabouts of Israelites that showed up for battle. The Lord says, hey, listen, you got too many people out there. Let those that are fearful go home. So they went home. Okay, and then pick number four. So then he comes up uh, to, to, uh, to Gideon, and the Lord says, you know what? You still got too many people. Uh, at the stream, separate those who, who scoop up the water and those who lap water up like a dog. Separate those. And from this, the Lord narrows down the number to 300. Now think about this. If I were sitting in that situation, I started off with maybe 22, 25,000 Israelites ready to fight for me, and I really felt encouraged. I'm pumped. I said, yeah, the Lord can do this thing with 25,000. It's 133,000. Yes, Lord, you can do it with this number. But the Lord said, you know what? You got too many people. The people will take credit for it. Cut the number down. What? And then after you cut it down, cut it down again. What? From 22,000 all the way down to 300. And then the Lord says, now we can do this. Gideon may have felt discouraged, but he wasn't out. And the Lord has a surprise for Gideon. Let's look at verse, scripture number seven. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up and go down against the camp that I'm giving into your hands. Now, let's stop right there for just a second. The Lord's saying, right now, I want you to go. Right now, I want you to go into battle. Right now. But then verse 10, he says, but, or if you are afraid, go down to the camp with your servant, Parah. Listen to what's being said. And after which, what? you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Parah, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp of the Midianites. 
the Amalekites and the other eastern people that had settled into the valley, thick as locusts, their camels uh, could no more than be counted as the sands of the seashore. And just as Gideon arrives, a man was telling his friend about a dream. I had a dream, he says. There was a loaf of barley bread that came tumbling down from the Midianite camp and struck the tent with such a force that the tent overturned and collapsed. And his friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Mennonites and the whole camp into his hands. And when Gideon heard the dream and the interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. Man, you talking about encouragement? I think he had a Pentecostal moment. But he, he got down and worshiped the Lord. So encouraged. I mean, he probably was busting wide open. I'm ready to go. I don't care if the Lord didn't give me but two people. It's time to roll. And he immediately went back to the camp and he says, people, he says, watch me. Follow me and do everything I tell you to do. We know the rest of the story. The victory came at the hand of the Lord. The battle belonged to the Lord. The battle was the Lord. The battle belonged to the Lord. What's the purpose of all of this? What's my point? My point is this. When the Lord calls you into ministry, you will test the Lord. The Lord, is this really your call? And the Lord will test you. Will you follow my call? Will you go when the Lord calls you to go? When he calls you to go into battle? Are you afraid or uncertain? The Lord will encourage you. He will lift you up. But the Lord also requires of you that you build the altar in your heart. Let's look at the scripture again from Judges chapter 7, scripture number 8. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. If Israel had gone up against the Midianites and the strength that they had, they would have boasted. The call of ministry is this. You decrease as the altar of the Lord in your life is increased, is exalted far above you. Let the Lord be increased in your life and let yourself be decreased. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.